Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this series, we take a look at CES 2018, who we visited, and what we liked. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren. Listeners of the podcast will know that we did a little something different this month. We did. What do we do different? We released the extra first. Woohoo, which we do sometimes, but this time we had a good reason. A very good reason. Astute listeners will know we released the podcast on the 10th and the 24th. During the 10th was the Consumer Electronics Show. So both Darren and I were able to go to the show. My first time, which was cool. A lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about we saw together, except for the very first thing, which was the Intel Keynote. So I have to tell you that having no expectation walking into this, I was really wowed by the Keynote, which... I'm told as a normal expression, Intel goes all out. So they had some music, some video, but their theme this year was all about data and how data is driving the market these days. How much data do we generate in a day? How much data do automated cars need? How much data do drones use? And why data is really the future of technology, which I thought was kind of neat. A lot there, and you can go out and watch the keynote. It's about an hour and a half long, longer even than I expected out on the net. And I would encourage you, if you're interested in where Intel thinks the future of computing is going, to check that out. But I did want to mention a couple of cool highlights there. Drones, right? Drones. Well, yeah, there's a lot about drones. In fact, CES seemed to be all about drones and home automation and Bluetooth speakers. And uh, those are things that we probably won't talk about past this point. So you've been warned. But they did have a very cool drone called a, I think it was called a, a rotocopter, or velocicopter, or something copter. It was a taxi, wasn't it? And this thing was really cool because this was a drone that was full-size, designed to carry two adults as an unmanned taxi. Taxi. And in fact, we saw a video of them using this thing in Germany, which is where they've been doing the development work. But at the keynote indoors, they flew this thing, first time ever, They've done that in Vegas anyway. Mm-hmm. It flew about 100 feet, which was really kind of interesting. But what mostly stuck out to me was how quiet this thing was for a full-size drone with a body about the size of a helicopter. Yeah, helicopters are loud. Not going to lie, you know, one flies over the house. We had to stop recording mm-hmm. because it's darn loud. So if you can picture in your head that you need a couple of pretty good-sized fans blowing on you because it's really freaking hot, that's about how loud it got. So that was the first thing that was really cool. And I got to be honest, I can see that my children may live in a world where something like this might be a transportation device for them, at least for short distances. And I know the whole flying car thing is still sort of Jetsons pie in the sky, but I have hope that that will become real before I die. So something actually real and relevant right now, did they talk about the Meltdown Inspector stuff? They did. In fact, I should have mentioned that because we talked about that in the extra, but they kind of talked about how they were going to get the odds out for that. And they said that 95% of the chipsets in the market that were affected would have the fix done by the end of that day, which I thought was pretty bold. Now, we found out later that they had to roll back a few of those. But by the time you're listening to this, all of the fixes for all of the chips that are going to get fixes should be done. Those were a combination of software and firmware updates, right? Something like that? Yeah, mostly software. And Mm -hmm. it's a combination of the um, operating systems and the browsers. Um, that are handling it. And they will, of course, address it in the next round of hardware. However, that affects performance remains to be seen. 
The other cool thing that I want to talk about, though, that was drone-based is they introduced a bunch of little drones called Shooting Star Drones. Yeah, they had those last year, too. That was awesome. So these were kind of cool. I had not seen them before, and they're tiny, which is kind of cool, but that wasn't even the best part. The best part was they put on a show where they launched 100 of these inside the convention center hall that we were in, and uh, they flew to a song, and again, worth checking out on the internet, for, um, you know, probably about a minute and a half, and it was kind of like a fireworks show. So if you had the right perspective, the drones would make waves of color because they were RGB lit, form into shapes like stars and hearts and that sort of stuff. True to form, that was a Guinness Book of World Records indoor flight record for having these drones without any GPS assistance flying in coordination. One single computer controlling, which I thought was kind of neat. I can hardly control a single drone. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, a computer might help. But as if that wasn't enough, Uh, They started to let these drones perform in the evening, two shows over the Villaggio Fountains. Of course, weather permitting and weather was a little sketchy there, but that's a topic for another time. So anyway, if I took nothing away from the keynote from Intel, it was really how much data is being generated these days. And that's not even talking about some of the stuff they did like uh, 3D video and automated cars and quantum computing. So definitely worth a look. But that was how I started my experience. And then we got to the actual show, or as Dennis likes to talk about, the CS Sideshow. Yeah, the Sideshow. It makes it seem like a circus, really. <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah, well, the first one on our list was be uh, Asus. They had their media day. They typically have it the first day of CES, and they just open up the doors and let anyone that happens to have a press badge come on in and take some pictures. A couple of the highlights from that... They had their three-panel monitor, which is a three-panel gaming monitor. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were complaining that the gap between the panel, nobody really liked. Because these panels are all connected together and they kind of fold up. Well, and you can only make the bezels so thin. Mm -hmm. So no matter how much you try, if you're doing a multiple monitor setup, you're going to have those divisors between the monitors. And yeah, you can kind of learn to live with and ignore them. I know because I do two ultra-wides at home myself. But... How do we overcome that, right? (laughs) Yeah, so what they were working on is a way to do some optical trickery to basically make that that bezel extremely small to actually go away. And it works a lot like, um, you know, like 3D glasses or something like that. It's got a little prism effect in there, and it basically duplicates the or stretches the... um, the picture in the both corners and this is totally optical there's no digital trickery or anything it just fits over in the corner so dennis is going to post pictures of all this stuff and i should point that out as we as we go forward there'll be a gallery and maybe some video because we shot video yeah shot video and actually uh, these are probably going to be linked in the show notes as the individual articles when i highlight this stuff yeah and i think you're gonna like this guys now when you look at the picture it doesn't do this justice because you can kind of see these things The effect is still pretty cool. But when you're actually sitting down playing the little racing game that they have there, it is so easy to forget this stuff is there. Well, I couldn't forget (laughs) it. I saw it the whole time. Uh, Let's see. Some of the other items that they had. um, Oh, yeah. They added a mesh feature called AI Mesh to all of their gaming routers. You know, those little spider things that look like they could walk around if you flipped them over? Yeah, right. So they added mesh to that, which is awesome. They had a gaming PC. They've always had these things. Right. Uh, let's see, one of the other Kyle things. Oh, basically they had motherboards on display. These are ones that we've seen already. And this is going to be a common theme for all of the motherboard vendors we saw. All of their boards had already been released. They were just kind of showing them off again. But they had this cool little device that they're working on. Let me grab it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
It's over here, and it's called the ROG Spotlight. So I think it's important to talk here at Hardware Asylum. We like to joke a lot about the way that manufacturers use an RGB. Yeah. And this is one of two examples I want to talk about, but this is probably the most entertaining. Yeah. So before we open this up, I, I want to mention also that um, out of all of the vendors that we met with, well, almost all of them, <laughs> uh, Asus has really been pushing the ROG brand. And, yes, they have. And they are, we've kind of reached um, an apex of what can be done with the motherboard an apex of what can be done with the video card. I mean, yeah, you can change the cooler around, you can add lights, you can add more memory, but there comes a time when it makes no more sense to add more to the boards. So at that point, what do you do? Do you start making keyboards? You'd start making mice, power supplies, we're seeing that. Well, with Asus, they're expanding their Aura Sync RGB stuff. I mean, they're basically pushing it out to video, um, memory manufacturers so that stuff will sync. They go into keyboard and mice, so stuff will sync. Well, now they have the ROG Spotlight. And this is basically a little metal spotlight with a heavy magnet that will attach to the side of your case and project the ROG logo on the wall and change it to sync with your motherboard lights. Yeah, and in fact, this is customizable like a lot of that sort of stuff. So if you don't want it to say Republic of Gamers and have the cool ROG logo... You could manufacture your own, or at least you will be when this is available on the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that you can rotate the the picture because it's basically just there's a little LED laser ish light behind it, and it's doing the Batman signal on the wall. It's pretty cool. So I have to point out that Dennis and I both had to have one of these little doodads, and it's notable because it's probably the first thing that either one of us unpacked to play with when we got home. Man. So a little gimmicky, but a lot of cool. And I wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit because the one thing that Dennis didn't mention that I thought was cool with Asus was the new way that they're building their monitor stands. Oh, yeah. That's something that you'll see in the pictures, by the way. So what they've done with all of their Republic of Gamer branded ROG monitors is they've put a tripod style mounting for it, the stand with what's, I don't know, maybe a three inch uh, circular body, which seems kind of large. But the reason for it is even their monitor projects a RGB ROG downward logo. ROG logo that uh, is actually pretty large down under the feet. And it's also, I'm told, interchangeable. So you could put your own team logo or whatever on it. But it means that in addition to the normal backlighting and the syncing, you have a downward light that also syncs, which is pretty dang cool. And it was the first time I'd seen that. Yeah, it's the first time a lot of people have seen that, actually. Well, and I think so, too. And it makes me feel like, oh, I could totally get some cool backlighting and a custom monitor. And, and we could put, hey, we could put the Hardware Asylum guy on this stuff maybe, right? So something to think about going forward, and it doesn't require a whole lot of talent. You just have to, in fact, didn't they say that we could even, you know, put a piece of glass in there and write on it with like, uh, you know, a dry erase marker and it would give you some effect? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Anyway, um, Asus definitely expanding the brand, the lighting across all your devices, mouse pad, keyboard, now spotlight and monitor can all be synced with some pretty cool effects. Fantex, that were... Um case manufacturer they are expanding into water cooling and that was kind of a big theme on in their booth office suite if you will they had a couple of uh, water cooling builds and they were showing off their pump res blocks which were really quite cool oh yeah and i thought this was probably the coolest water cooling thing that i saw while we were down there with possible exception of inwin which we'll get to in a bit but these things are really neat and and dennis how would you describe this thing 
I would describe it as a reservoir with a metal back, which they say doubles as heat sink. There's no internal fins, so I'm not sure how that exactly works. But it has an embedded spot for a DDC pump, which is one of the smaller pumps that you can use in water cooling. And But you can block it off and just use it as an actual reservoir. It's got several ins and several outs on it so that you can mount it whichever way you want, vertical or horizontal or flat or upside down. And it has RGB lights in it. Or provisions for it, at least. Always cool. Now, this strip for RGB lights is also adjustable. Uh, one of the other interesting things about this, and it reminded me of a, a video card double slot size, I mean, but the mounting for it allows you to mount it on a fan even. So you could actually place it off of the four screws on your fan, which would give you cross-cooling on it as well, and it gives you some flexibility on how to mount it. So you could mount it in a card slot, but you could also mount it directly off of a 120 or 140 millimeter fan. Yep, they had the little brackets. Uh, that's kind of a common thing with some of the round reservoirs, but this was one of square. That was the thing that got me, was that it's not round like everybody else is doing, square. And it really did look like a video card cooler at a glance. I should point out that we saw this cooler in a lot of the other custom builds, but we won't call those out specifically, but something to look for. You just don't remember which ones they are. Oh, we'll see them in the pictures. Yeah. Some of the other items, you know, modding things, they had vertical GPU mounts, which is quite cool. And then, of course, the water blocks. And then a new version of the Halos. So that's a digital version of the Halos. Ooh, I liked these. Yeah, so this was basically a 30 LED strip that was wrapped around a fan ring that fits on top of any standard fan. So it makes any standard fan without lights an RGB fan. Finally, we can get RGB on our Noctua fans, for example. Yeah, it, who knows how that's going to actually turn out. We'll see. But they were digital, so you can cook them into different controllers and control them differently, and individual LEDs change and stuff like that. This kind of showed one of the themes that we saw across RGBs in general because they have gotten a lot better. In fact, a lot of the vendors talked to us about their attempt to make it so that the individual LEDs were not as visible, so the light would blend more evenly. Yeah, it depends on the type of product, uh-huh. obviously. Uh, one of the last items at Fantex, uh, and these... I. I'm a little torn on whether or not I think it's cool or not, but they have power supplies now that allow you to uh, power two systems independently. Off the same power supply. Off the same power supply. And that was something that you could do with a power splitter and stuff. But this has individual wires and then individual controls off of those wires. And they can be turned off and on independently. Individually. Then they had another version that allowed you to link two power supplies together. So you could go buy a 500 watt and you could add a thousand watt to it and you have 1500 watts off of two independent power supplies. And supposedly it will recognize if one of them is a platinum and one of them is a gold and will increase the, will decrease the power output of the gold to reach the platinum levels of efficiency. Very nice. So that's kind of cool, especially if you're planning on upbuilding in the future. I have to admit I haven't attempted a double system build yet in the same case. But some of these new larger cases and some of these multi-component cases are designed with that in mind. Yeah, that was something that I talked about um, several, I don't know, three or four years ago, I guess, where they CyberPowerPC was putting systems together with a mini ITX in the top and a regular gaming system down below. And they were designing it for streamers primarily so they could run their stream off the mini ITX and then run their game off the lower one. So that way, if the game crashed, their stream would still be up and running. Still not sure how I feel about that in the practicality standpoint as opposed to two PCs, but it is kind of cool. And in it's, fact, it's more, all about the room. Well, one of the examples they gave was 
I could fire up the same PC for my kids on my low-end build, and they wouldn't have to touch my high-end build and mess with my stuff. And you could run two different monitors, so you can have essentially two gaming setups off the same case. Well, the, the sky's the limit. It depends on how you apply it, obviously, right? Right, right. So something cool, at least. Let's see. EVGA was next. Obviously, EVGA has uh, been real big with hardware asylum. I appreciate what they do for us. They had, obviously, the Kingpin Edition card. They had the air-cooled and the water-cooled version on display. Always cool. And they had the X299 Dark, so we're able to pick that up. That is a beefy motherboard. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, if you're looking for a premium, uh, I mean, obviously, you have a lot of choices, but this thing has all the bells and whistles, build quality, you name it. The highlight of the EVGA booth was their 220-watt platinum power supply yeah what a oh, wait, beast no, it wasn't 220 i'm sorry 2200 watt power supply 2200 80 plus platinum obviously this is designed for big systems and primarily in the european market where you have available 220 volt power and that's kind of important because it does run off 220 volt power so you would need to take that into account and i have to admit i'm a little bit jealous that that's not something that's intended for the U.S. market, although it seems like crazy overkill. It does. I, I really need to get one. I'll just go and uh, make a new plug for the dryer vent. And, yeah. <laughs> I will you can have, build your own spider box just for your power supply. I will have that 40-amp circuit so I can power some crazy stuff. Uh, some of the other items they had, um, their CLC coolers are all-in-ones that they have that allow you to segment the pieces together and daisy-chain them. They are now get, making uh, little colored angles so you can kind of turn the rubber hoses into hardline hoses i know a lot of the folks were talking about how silly these are but i actually thought they were kind of clever one they're cheap and two it's an easy way to add some color to your all-in-one loop get a little control over it a little bit of customization without breaking the bank and why not add a little color uv reactive even yeah that that was one item that we had suggested that they didn't have uv Mm -hmm. i think uv is going to make a big uh a big splash well, we had a couple of different vendors talk to us about bringing back UV, especially in the liquid, but we'll get to that. 2019. I think it will be the year of the UV. All right, where will we go happy. next? Oh, got to do a UV belt. It's time. Yeah. All right, ASIO, uh, these people make some pretty amazing keyboards. They basically had their retro line on display, which is something that I did a review of their retro keyboard, and that's the one that has the mechanical keys, but then the keycaps are round. They'll make it look like a like steampunk. Like an old style. Yeah. yeah. So they had some other designs that were more steampunky, uh, some copper surrounds. The one that I liked the most was uh, you could change the, uh, the top cover. So yeah, you pull off I all like the keys. That. Yeah, you pull off all the keys, and then you could change it to whatever you want. They had like a Kevlar one. They had a metal one, carbon fiber rosewood looking you know anything goes in a sense i don't know that describing these really does them justice this is definitely a moment where you want to look at the pictures because these have true metal cases and true premium materials like carbon fiber some of them had leather surfaces some premium metals for the frames Um, there was one that reminded me of like louis vuitton or tiffany in the color scheme uh, beautiful, beautiful products. And these are much higher in quality than we've seen from them in the past. Right. And that's a key point. With Ozio, they are trying to get away from being the, the bargain basement, hey, we're just making a gaming keyboard, to we are offering one-of-a-kind high-end solutions using quality products. And that is 
resonating in what some of the steampunk designs that they're doing, some of the Mac-ish designs that they're doing. They're really emphasizing that they're going to be using quality products and which, you know, they're not cherry switches. Well, some of the keyboards have cherry switches, but just because they aren't using cherry switches doesn't mean that's a bad keyboard. They even had replaceable wrist rests that you could get premium materials on too. Oh yeah. I have to admit that I did not expect that high level of detail and quality in their keyboards. And now I'm excited about getting one myself. All right, the last one we had on day one, we're on day one still, believe it or not. We got to go all over the place. Did we actually have time to take a breath? That's a good question. (laughs) Well, it was raining, so we had to stay indoors, so to speak. The last one, we went to the House of Esports. And if that sounds weird, it it was supposed to be actually a mansion house, and they were going to have like a a whole thing full of gamers. I I want to say it was probably going to be more like a frat party. But but the weather killed it. Killed it, yeah, and you know, it's like renting a house in Vegas is kind of tough. So, Fnatic. Fnatic, is that how you pronounce it? Fnatic, yes. The most winning esports team in the history of esports. They're the Manchester United, or the Yankees, if you will, of esports. Yeah, they had a suite um, at Caesars Palace, believe it or not, which seems kind of weird. It's all gamey, right? Uh, they were showing off some of, they had some of their players there, that you could talk to, but they were showing off a couple of products that they are working on, hardware products, believe it or not, gaming keyboard and a gaming mouse. And they had a line of these, so not just one of each. They had a couple of different mice and I think three different keyboards. Now, we had seen designs similar to these before, so we inquired and we were only told that they had purchased a hardware manufacturer in an effort to be able to drive the design from the esports professional player's perspective. And we've kind of heard that before from some other manufacturers, but this is the first time we had an actual esports team presenting product. So their primary goal was everything you need for esports and nothing else. Exactly. And so the to get to that goal, they had their gamers tell them, okay, well, what size keyboard do you want? And we're basically doing 10 keyless style keyboards. Cooler Master had a design similar to that. Right, right. And then they have basically four macro profiles so you can program the the keyboard however which way you want but there's not really any macros in it it's kind of like lighting effects are these macros Mm -hmm. and then the thing that i like the most and i want to say that this is this is huge they put the logo on the back and it lights up and and it lights up it's replaceable that one's not replaceable yeah it comes off that one comes off? Comes off. Well, they didn't take it off. So if you're not Team Fanatic, you could put your own brand on it. You sure? I am sure. Positive? Positive. All right. You can cut it if I'm wrong. Okay. Well, Fix it, it in post. Whatever. But the, with the logo being on the back of the keyboard, that is the perfect vantage point for people taking photos of gamers playing esports. And that is huge because, you know, any other keyboard manufacturer, the logo is on the top where you can't see it. So now all of a sudden they're advertising. And this is something we talked about when I was uh, saying, hey, overclocking needs to change. It needs to be about the player and the hardware being used by the player, similar to like professional golf. What do you see in professional golf and even in football? The logos of the people that are supporting that player. And this theme was through even the mice. The RGB lighting for their symbols was up ahead where you'd see it in front of the thumbs. And I should point out that everything could be hardware controlled 
or software controlled, so you didn't have to have software installed if you needed it. Yeah, they were talking about sharing profiles and stuff. You'd have the ability to download profiles. They're talking about a future where you might be able to say, hey, you know, I'm a big fan of this pro gamer, so I'm going to download his profile and see what he uses to play, what settings. And there might be training modes where they could talk about it. Maybe talk about what's your best DPI so that you could kind of tune your equipment. So they have a future in mind where esports is driving not just the games and designs, but also that it could help you to fine-tune yourself. One of the major themes about that that I found very interesting was really true, I think, for a lot of us. You buy these keyboards with all these cool functions built in, and you might dig with them for the first half hour or so, but then if it isn't easy, you don't use it. So they're talking about software that will train you how to do that, software that will teach you what's your DPI that's best for gaming. So you don't just guess. It's going to help you find out what's going to make you a better player. And I think that that is something that we haven't seen before. No. Well, something else that you haven't seen before is they had basically some trickery with your fingers, and you could lock the keyboard. Oh, I liked that. Yeah. It's like you don't have to lock the PC. You would actually lock the physical keyboard. And I was like, that was freaking awesome. Yep. And, and, and? they had a function key. First time I'd seen that too. Oh, a, an actual dedicated function key, not like an F1 or an F2. Yeah, so you could toggle off and on your function. So if you have your macros programmed, you can push the button. Instead of having to hold down a key combination, it would activate them. And this could also be programmed into profiles too, which I thought was uh, clever, something that we'll probably see more of. So that was our first day at CES. A lot of exciting stuff, but that wasn't even everything we saw. So be sure to check out our articles and write-ups as they come out on our individual visits and the galleries that go with them. And we will see you next time on the Hardware Asylum Podcast for CES Day 2. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.